Most of the male runners figured if any woman wants to run 26 miles in a driving rain, let her run. But veteran Boston trainer Jock Semple thought the whole thing was silly. No, there's enough competition for women. What the heck? Why did they want to tackle the, the, the toughest thing in the world? It's just the uh, women and their stubbornness just want to do something that they're not supposed to do. That's all there is to it. You know that. You're married. That was 50 years ago. In the time since, women have made remarkable progress towards equality in sport. Today, 40% of all athletes are women, and yet women still receive less than 4% of media coverage. The Iron Woman podcast wants to help change that. We interview female professional athletes and other remarkable women making breakthroughs in endurance, sport, and research. So that when I grow up, I will have heroes. I'm Alyssa Gadeski. I'm Haley Chura. And I'm Rosalie. And you're listening to the Iron Women Podcast. Haley, do you know what our most popular Iron Women episode has been so far? I do, Alyssa, because you know I love the numbers, and it goes back to fall of 2017 when we interviewed exercise physiologist Stacey Sims. You are right, and do you know what Stacey Sims has been up to these days? I've heard she's working with Noon Hydration to help formulate some products that have the female endurance athlete in mind. Noon Hydration products have clean quality ingredients and are also non-GMO project verified, which means top quality ingredients for your body and the planet. Noon Hydration offers a range of hydration products for all your workout and recovery needs. My personal favorite is Noon Sport Fruit Punch flavor. What's yours, Alyssa? I like the Noon Sport in the grape flavor and our listeners can go to noonlife.com and shop with a 30% off code of IRONWOMEN to find out their favorite flavor. And don't forget to let us know. That's noonlife.com with the code IRONWOMEN for 30% off. And now, the ladies you've been waiting for, Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chura. Bye for now. What's been going on in Bozeman this week? Alyssa, I have been struggling big time. Oh my gosh, things have not been good. I know I'm usually pretty rosy and excited, but it has been a struggle. Everything. You know, do you ever get in those times when you're just like in a funk and nothing seems to be working and the world just seems to be working against you completely? That's where I am right now. I will say those weeks, I always feel like I have car trouble something on my bike that I can't fix, like goes wrong. And then like workouts or something or not like, so it always comes in threes for sure. I think that law is true, but like the mechanical stuff when the week is just hard, if you, if you, if I'm like mind reading you right now and you've had any mechanical troubles with your car and or bike, then those are so frustrating during those weeks. I haven't had any mechanical problems actually, but (laughs) I'm trying to count now if I've had three, I think I might've had like six. So maybe that counts for two rounds, but no. Do you so need to talk about it. I do need to talk about it. I've had, <laughs> okay. th- I had three completely terrible runs, like really, really bad. And then I also, the roof collapsed on the gym that I go to. And this happened a couple weeks ago, but that kind of got, 
I know I wasn't there. Thankfully, no, it happened at two thirty in the morning. There was too much um, snow, and so the roof collapsed, and no one was hurt. But that pool has been closed, and so that's like the second pool that I use. So if I want to swim, like not at five thirty in the morning, that's usually where I would go, and so that's kind of moved all of my swims to early in the morning at a different pool. So it's getting up early every single day. So I've been trying really hard to get to bed or really early. And then who do you know knocks on my door at 8 p.m. <laughs> the other night was drug testing, which I am all for, all for. And this was, again, this was my own fault because I put 8 p.m. as like my window because I know I will be home and usually I'm asleep. And um, I was actually vacuuming when she came. And this woman was lovely. This is actually my first time in the like WTC um, testing pool. I've never been in the WTC testing pool. I've been in the USADA pool before, but then, and they just kind of showed up whenever, like they never came during my window. And so 2019 has been my first year in the like WTC testing pool, which has been interesting. It's a little bit different. And um, so I actually came and got, they, I got drug tested and it was like blood and urine. And I don't even know how this happened, but like, I woke up the next day, like so dehydrated. Maybe someone can, I don't, can tell me like, does, uh, does getting drug tested? I didn't, I drank enough, I guess, to give a sample, but does getting like just a little bit of blood taken, does that leave you dehydrated? I don't, I don't think so. Unless they like take more than the little vial that I'm picturing. But I don't know. We I, can maybe say yes, and that's it. And it just takes a, about a week or so to like feel better, and then you'll be on the up and up this week. Maybe. Let's say it's that. I don't know. It's just like everything that – I don't know. Not everything. I mean, again, these are nothing. No tragedies have happened. But I'm just like, oh, struggling. So I have a little bit of rest coming this week, though, so that you know hopefully can turn everything around. But for anyone out there who is struggling – it's not just you. <laughs> I do think having to change your routine, the pool thing would be like a major shakeup, I think, to have to get used to. It's a new wake up time and new just like things, you know, and it's stress. Like you like that pool. That was like what you did every day. Right. So like that is I think that's like a big weighing factor for sure. It is. And it's like it's not something that's just going to change really soon. Like it's probably going to be like years you know before that whole because I think they have to like you know I use the gym there too and it was at the local university so it was like pretty nice and for that to like be out of commission I was like finding a new gym which I did find one it's fine it's just not the same and um I also oh have you ever done this I like cried on the treadmill and I didn't realize like I was as noisy as I was <laughs> until like this woman comes over comes over and is like are you okay and I'm like oh no I'm in public <laughs> <laughs> Oops. I'm used to crying on the trainer when I'm just by myself. <laughs> I can't, I tried to cry on the treadmill once because my friends and I, that I used to run with in Baltimore, we always had this thing of like, if someone was upset, we'd take him for a run. Cause we were like, you can't cry when you're running. And so like, I've tried to do it just to see if that's false or not, but I never really could make myself. I never had an incident aligned with a run enough to make me cry, but apparently it's possible. So now I'm going to tell those women that I used to run with that it's possible. Oh, it's definitely possible. I can, I can give you plenty of examples. I'm like, right now at this point, I'm like, can I do a run without crying? <laughs> like, no, um, it's nothing, nothing, no tragedies, no nothing. It's just rough days, but hopefully, like you said, maybe I think better times are ahead. <laughs> well, Haley, I had car trouble on my mind because I did have a nail in my tire this week. 
in my car, which is just always a pain. And of course, like you have AAA, but that's like one thing AAA can't help you with. And so I still, I really just got the spare put on, which a very nice man at the Jiffy Lube here in Charlottesville did for me um, for free. And I brought him cookies for that. So, oh, yeah, he was actually like, yeah, like he was very, I was kind of surprised myself that I actually like did that, I guess, because I was like, I should do this as I was driving away. And then I did it. And I will say that it made me feel really good to do like a little act of kindness like that because it was so, I think he just really didn't see it coming. And then I was like, maybe I should find little things like this to do more. Um, cause it made him feel good and he got cookies and it made me feel good. I should give some cookies to the woman who comforted me on the treadmill. <laughs> she, I don't remember what she looks like though. It was more of like, no, I'm okay. <laughs> Let me pack up my fan and all of my stuff and I'm going to go cry in the locker room now. No, <laughs> but my second point here, Haley is a surefire way to inject some non cryable time into your life is by fostering a puppy, which is what I did this week. <laughs> oh, I think I saw that on your social media. That's right. How uh, how was the two-dog life? So it was really hard. I'm not going to lie. It's um, It was a handful. And I adopted Ramona beyond her puppy stage. And so – and she's just like a pretty calm dog in general. And so they – I, you know, I, I talked to the SPCA about fostering. And the one here at least – I don't know if they do this all the time – they totally encourage short-term fosters fosters. Like you can go in and be like, I'm going hiking today. I'll take a dog. And they'll like give you a dog for the day to take out because their dogs are just so in need of breaks from the shelter. And it really helps them. I kind of thought I was going to like traumatize these poor dogs, but turns out it's like a good thing. And so I signed up because they were bringing in some dogs from Miami and they needed some help for the weekend and yada, yada. So, um, I went in, I take, took Ramona and we got to do like a interview, right. With the dog first to make sure it was good. And she basically sat there in the little like play area looking at me like, what is going on? And he was like jumping all over her. And I was like, he's perfect. We'll take him. And his name is Flash. And he was super cute. His ears. So if you go onto my social media, I guess the picture I posted, if you, it's going to be gone in my story. So maybe I'll have to post a picture of his ears so everyone could see. Um, His ears are just super cute. And that was what sold him. But then we had a puppy in the house for five days. And it was, he was a little bit of a terror the first like 24 hours as he got used to his new surroundings and tried and like realized that it's a calm place and there's not things happening 24 seven, like there are in the shelter. And, but then as soon as he did, which I will say, I took him for a run the first morning. And after that, it was like the tides turned. I think I like was able to expend all of his pent up energy that he had been saving up while at the shelter And he was really sweet and he was just really funny, like doing Ramona just kind of like lays around a lot more than him. So like I was doing some strength with like planks and stuff and he was just like dive bombing me off the couch, like totally fun, new elements to my, my workout routine there. Um, he was a good little running partner and he, I took him for a hike and stuff. Like he was just up for anything and it was really hard. It would be really hard to be sad. I mean, I know you have cowboy, but a new puppy for a few days is always something to smile about. Oh my gosh. I can't imagine a puppy. Did he chew up anything in your house? Like, cause that's what I think of when I think of puppies is like, them, no. like chewing up everything. He didn't. Well, so they give you a crate and you crate him if you're not there to like watch. He definitely would have been up to like so much mischief if I left him alone out of the crate. And he did pee on the floor a couple times. But I kind of attribute that to my learning curve with the puppies. Like I didn't realize with a puppy when they're in the crate, like you come home and you basically have to take them straight out 
And like, I would be like, here, come out of your crate. I'm done my workout. Let me make a shake. Let me grab a snack. Let me do my hair. Like blah, blah. And then I'm coming and I'm like, oh, he's not ready for it. He's like not waiting for my shake to be made. So once I learned that we were good, but anyway, I took him back yesterday cause I traveled this week. So we couldn't stay for longer. And he, um, was like such a better little puppy boy in the lobby of the SPCA. And I felt really good because the woman was like, he's already so much better. He has a bunch of applications coming in. And she's like, we couldn't even like show him before because he was so like high strong. And she seemed like at least for that minute, he was like doing a little better. So hopefully it, it paid off and hopefully he just goes to a new home very quickly. Wow. Well, you're like over here doing all these like acts of kindness while I'm like <laughs> being selfish self being like, what was me? I have to find a new gym, but um, glad one it of us is helping make the world a better like, place. I have to make some deposits until because, like, I guess soon enough I'll be back to doing some real triathlon training. I'm kind of in this like weird break mode with, as you can see, some time on my hands. So um, the tides will turn. So I'm just trying to maybe make pay my dues a little bit. God, I'm sure the good karma. You're 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 locking it up with that good karma. But maybe you're gonna end up with another pup. Sometime. Did you want I, to? Is it is I this did, like I told is that him the car still there in two weeks when some of my travel is done? We would chat. So Flash, I hope you get ad- adopted. But I, I mean, I definitely am a sucker, and I think eventually I would end up with like a bajillion dogs if I could. But paying to board a bajillion dogs while I travel is like not in the in the plans right now. But someday, someday, Haley, someday. Nice. Well, um. That's a cool thing that you did, and I'm glad. I'm sure Flash Flash is missing you big time, but hopefully he finds a good home. And then I heard we don't have any mailbag this week. How is that no possible? No mailbag. No one wrote in. No one had any questions. <laughs> there were no questions for Haley and Alyssa this week. So if they are piling up in your minds this week, feel free to send them to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com, and we will answer them on future episodes. But we have something else exciting happening this week. Oh, is this, are we finally hearing the details of the Zelios contest? Did you know, I ran a little mini contest on my own Instagram last week and yeah, it was, it was really fun. So I'm excited about this. This is the big contest. Yeah. We're going to just keep the contest juju running, I guess we'll say, well, contest excitement running. Um, and so the contest giveaway information is, is everyone listening? We at Iron Women are giving away a full product line of Zelios goodies, including a tube of the Sun Barrier sunscreen, my favorite, a tube of the Betwixt anti-chafing cream, Haley's favorite, <laughs> Sewin Sport shampoo, conditioner, body wash, and the Silky Smooth body lotion. But that's not all, Haley. Oh my god! Also giving away a $50 gift card to pick up anything else that you would like at teenzelios.com. All told, this is $140 of Zelios amazingness. So basically, you can get a tub of Betwixt for yourself and give one to a friend if that's what you decide you want to do. That's what I would probably do. That's how all lasting friendships are built. Yeah, that's cool. That's a lot of a lot of gear. The full product line, your skin and hair will definitely be thanking you. But how do you win, Alyssa? Like, we haven't even gotten to that part yet. Okay, so the contest is going to run for one week from today, April 4th until next Thursday, April 11th of this year. So you guys have one week. So you got to act fast. We'll keep reminding you, but 
just do it right now while you're listening to us talk and you enter by going to livefeisty.com forward slash winzelios and you just put in your email address and then boom, you're entered for all of that Zelios amazingness. Cool. That sounds pretty easy, but uh, yeah, we can't delay, right? So does that mean that oh, we won't have a winner next week, but we'll probably have a winner the week after that because next Thursday will be the last day to enter. But that's a quick timeline. That is a quick timeline. No, no messing around here. And Haley, moving on, we do have a great interview this week. So this week we are talking to Jocelyn McCauley. And for our listeners, if you are familiar with Jocelyn, you would know that in 2016, she won Ironman Mallorca. And then in 2017, she won Ironman New Zealand. She was 10th in Kona. And she won 70.3 Vichy, I think all in 2017. That's a good year. She came back to Ironman New Zealand this year and won again. So we're going to talk to her, hear all about that day. We'll hear about her change in coaching and a really cool inspiration that she was able to carry into the race that helped her channel some, um, I think just some extra speed. We'll, you'll, you'll hear the details on that in the interview. And then we'll find out what's next for Jocelyn as well after a break and a word from our sponsors. Hey, Alyssa, have you ever come out of a race with a really bad sunburn? I sure have. My very first Kona, I'll never forget. It was awful. Well, I think I have a product for you. Zelio Sun Barrier SPF 45 is a zinc-based and water-resistant sunscreen. It's long-lasting, oil-free, and won't sting your eyes. I've used it, and it works great. I'll have to try it because I have heard that Zelio's products are designed and tested by champion triathletes like Heather Jackson, Lindsay Corbin, Jesse Thomas, and Rachel McBride. Wait, did you forget someone? Oh, that's right. And our very own Haley Chura. Well, Zelio's products are made with high quality and long lasting ingredients to stand the test of the hottest days, sweatiest training sessions and toughest elements. They give athletes like us confidence and peace of mind to perform at our best without worrying about our skin or hair products. The products you won't want to train or compete without are the Sun Barrier SPF 45, the Twix chamois cream, swim and sport shower products, and the body lotion. You can use the code IRONWOMEN at teamzelios.com to get 20% off. Hi, Jocelyn. Welcome to Iron Women. Thanks for, so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much. I told Haley when she emailed me that now I've made it, now that I'm on Iron Woman. So. Just spread the word that that's the key. (laughs) Not the fact that you recently won Ironman New Zealand, nabbing a new course record of 8.53.10 in the process. So congratulations for that. That's, that's huge. Thanks. I think the official time is actually 8.53.11. I've seen 8.53.10 thrown out as well. Well, whatever. One second doesn't matter, but yeah. Well, take the faster time one day. Yeah. (laughs) You never know. (laughs) We'll give you, we'll give you the 10. But actually, before we get into race day, um, let's talk a little bit about the competition there. So it seems like, one, that you like to race in New Zealand. And, like, once someone races in New Zealand, that they keep racing in New Zealand. Like, all of the people are kind of, quote, regulars there. Um, yeah. And you were on the start line with Meredith Kessler, Lara Siddle, and even local Teresa Adam. Um, so having them around you was probably not shocking to line up with them because they, too, are regulars in Taupo. So 
This was your first fifth year there. And what is it about New Zealand that keeps you going back? Oh, there's so much. And I think the world is going to find out in 2020 and I'm scared. <laughs> the so, 70.3 world championships, right? That's what you're referring to. Yes, the 70.3 world championship. So in that town is going to be so packed. It's going to be, it's going to be ridiculous there, but so fun. Um, and then everyone's going to start racing Ironman New Zealand. So, <laughs> and the word will be out, but yeah, it's just, um, New Zealand in general is an unbelievable country. I mean, I know that everyone, uh, probably has heard about the Christchurch, uh, shooting that happened, um, just a couple of weeks ago down on the South Island and everything. And uh, to me, like that's that, like that was so shocking because that never happens in New Zealand. And that's like the type of place that New Zealand is. And that's why I love it so much is like, like I, you know, I realized this last trip finally after being there, what, I think seven times racing there, <laughs> um, I finally realized like, oh, I love it so much is that New Zealand like epitomizes love to me. Um, the people, the, you know, environment, like being in God's creation is, is to me, epitomizes love as well. And so, um, oh, sorry. Uh, so, so all of that is just, you know, I love it because it loves me, I guess in a way and that sounds so corny, but, um, yeah, it's so beautiful. The people are so welcoming and so loving. And then it, I will like hands down say it's the best race on the circuit. Um, and they have the best volunteers on the circuit better than Kona, like better than anywhere. Like they are amazing. I mean, like special needs, like, um, a year ago or two years ago, whichever race, whatever. Anyway, like I had two bottles in there that I wanted and they had them out and they handed me one. And I was like, oh, I need the other one. And they like charged up the hill, ran and like gave it to me up the hill for me and stuff. So, I mean, they're just like, they go above and beyond, um, in every aspect. So yeah. And the race director and the race crew there is just amazing. They've had it for 35 years. They got this down pat. So <laughs> that is a, a ringing endorsement. And I, I think of the three of us, I'm the only one who has not raced in New Zealand. Um, and you bring up that, that shooting in Christchurch and, I, again, a tragedy and something that, you know, I get, I've never been to New Zealand and I watched with, you know, just astonishment. But I think we, I also watched, you know, prime minister Jacinda Ardern, like her reaction is incredible, right? It's like how this is like a, like, I don't know, very like a role model, right. in how to handle a tragedy, which I'm, I'm sure she didn't want this role, but I think it's been incredible to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I saw some meme about like, um, Hey, hold on, hold my baby. Uh, cause like, she had, she just had a baby, you know, like hold my baby. I'm going to go, you know, be able to change gun laws and take care of this country, you know, all of this stuff. So yeah, it was awesome. She's an amazing, amazing woman. So cool. Well, uh, we do want to ask you about the race in New Zealand and, um, you went into this race knowing the course, like Alyssa had mentioned, you've raced there five times previously, but, uh, many of your competitors have as well. So you know, is each year different? Are the conditions different? And how, how did this year unfold for you? Obviously we know the result, but how was it, you know, from the swim, from the bike, from the run, was that what the result that you expected? Right. Right. Um, so it is, to me, it's a lot like Kona in the conditions where it can be, you know, like this last year in Kona, it was just dead flat, super fast, like everything like that. Or it can be howling winds with crosswinds and just, you know, super hard. 
And, um, and so it just varies every year. It is very variable, um, and stuff. Like I wouldn't have called it a fast year this year. The, the run was a fast year, I think just because of the temperature wise, um, in general, but overall, like we had like five minutes of glass and then it started chopping on the lake and then same on the bike. Like the first lap was, well, the first half of the first lap wasn't windy and then it got windy with super crosswinds and stuff like that. But so that's condition wise. And then how it, how it unfolded for me, um, you know, the swim was not exactly what I wanted. They, they have a race the week before it's called a cross the lake swim. And, um, it's a 4.2 K swim. They just swim all the way across the lake. And so I did that and Meredith Kessler actually jumped in that as well. And so I just, I hopped on her feet for that swim and I was able to hang on her feet until the last like five minutes when the guys who were towing us around, like, uh, he, they put in a surge and I don't have that top speed at all. <laughs> so I was out the back and I lost like 30 seconds the last five minutes, but I was like, Hey, look, I can hang with her for an Ironman race then. So that was the plan is to be on her feet. But I think that she heard my memo and she was on the opposite line, uh, opposite side of the start line as me. So and I, I saw her like, I don't know, like 30 seconds before the race start. And I was like, Oh shoot, <laughs> whatever. So, um, I got in a, in a pace line and I got on some feet who I thought were actually Meredith's because of how she was kicking. And I had swum behind her for, you know, 30 minutes the week before or whatever. Well, 53 minutes, whatever. Anyway, so I um, was on her, what I thought was her feet. And then all of a sudden, like after like three or 400 meters, we stopped going so fast. And I was like, what is happening? And then I saw the blue 70 on her wetsuit. I was like, oh, shoot, <laughs> not Meredith. And so um, it was, um, oh gosh, I just blanked on her name. I feel really bad now. She's from Australia. Um, I'm going to blank on her name. Claire, <laughs> but, Claire. Uh, yes. uh, thank you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. So, and then, so it was, um, you know, I got, I, I went with her behind her for a while and then at the turn just went in front of her cause she doesn't know the course and the turn buoys are a little further out than the sight buoys. So if you sight off the turn buoys, you're going to swim a lot shorter than if you sight off the sight buoys. So I left her and, uh, did my own thing for the last bit. Well, for half the race. So and then coming out, I heard I was three minutes down, which was definitely not what I wanted um, or thought I could have. So, uh, but it was manageable deficit to me in my mind. And so, yeah, through T1, which I had the fastest T1 split and I am the slowest transitioner. So it's like one of the proudest moments of the race. <laughs> was this a conscious thing you were working on in this race? It was, I had like gone through it in my mind, like so many times, like beforehand. And so I think that really helps is like going through it and practicing it in your mind. I didn't practice physically, but yeah, in my mind at least. So, and then got out on the bike and, um, my bike, I, we've made so well, I've made so many changes, um, on that thing in the last, well, really it was honestly the last like four weeks leading up to the race, which is also very terrifying. <laughs> But um, my position changed. Um, I have shorter crank uh, crank length. I went from 165 to 155, like all this technical stuff, right? But then the biggest change was my aero bars, like the cockpit area. And um, I I used to just have like a normal set of aero bars on there. And I went and um, was down in Texas for a couple weeks of training before this race. And this guy had talked to me about a year and a half 
like in Kona 2017 before that race. And he reached out to me with his set of aero bars called morph bars, which they morph from the base bar into the aero bar position. And he reached out to me, Hey, you should ride these. And I was like, Frank, there's no way that I can ride those in a windy race. Like there's just no way because like, I don't, I couldn't brace and you know, like in the crazy side winds, a lot of times you have your one arm down and then the other arm out on a base bar, at least for us women who are smaller and get blown around a lot more than the men. And so you're like bracing and stuff. And so I was like, there's no way I can ride those like in Kona or in New Zealand when it gets really windy, you know, or anything like that. Like I would not feel comfortable doing that. And so I was like, I don't like your bars. I can't ride them. And then we talked again in January of this year. And he was like, let me put them on your bike. I want you to try them. I want you to feel them. And you can tell me exactly what you hate about them. Cause and then I will fix it because <laughs> he's a fixer. Well, it was, he was a fixer. And so I did, and I fell in love with the bars. And so then put them on my bike. And so I rode them in New Zealand. Um, so, but it was a couple of days after I left Texas that I got a call that he was in a really bad accident on his bike and uh, in an accident with a bus. And he ended up passing away um, on the scene. And so we hadn't narrowed. Um, it was super tragic. He left like his wife, three daughters, one being my daughter, Emmy's age, um, and stuff. So it just really hit home. And it was, it was a really, really, really rough week on me. And it's still a rough time on his family. Um, trying to get over all of this and stuff. And, um, and so we were still narrowing down and finalizing my position on the bike. And all of a sudden the man who was doing this was gone. And so I, I, thankfully, you know, I had a lot of people help me try to figure everything out to, to make it work because I was like, well, I need to ride these bars in New Zealand. Now I want to dedicate this race to him and I want to ride his, his invention and his creation because he loved seeing his creations go fast. And he always wanted people to enjoy it, have that smile on their face and just like, and go. And so, um, sorry, this is ending up being a lot longer answer to your question. <laughs> no, this is a fantastic story. And, um, I just, I mean, no, I, and I, I love hearing about these morph bars because I've seen, um, Andre Costas, um, one of the pro males ride these. And so I, I'm really interested in hearing more about them. And, and then the story behind them is so incredibly heartwarming, um, and tragic at the same time. So your connection is fascinating, especially cause it happened over a couple weeks, but again, continue your story. Yeah. Well, so I was out there on the bike and, um, you know, I, I caught the group of three women a lot faster than I thought I would. Um, and ended up at the turnaround, had them in my sights and, and ca caught up to them, you know, and I was in the back and I just, I wanted to just get in my F2C and, you know, stuff like that to, you know, just make sure like, you know, I had my nutrition all sorted and everything and then make the pass. And then, so I made the pass and, and, um, MBK came with me and then, um, and the next thing I knew she came past me, uh, going up these hills. She's a killer on hills, but going up hills. And, um, she came past me and she's like, Oh my gosh, this is so impressive. You writing those bars. Cause at that point it started getting windy and everything. Um, and I, I was getting a little bit like not nervous, but blown around a lot and stuff. And, um, went back through town and then back out on the course. And, um, I, uh, Broadlands and me are just friends, I guess, Broadlands road, which is the road out and back that you go on for the most part on that race. And, and, um, I dropped her, uh, just 
going out and, um, and then coming back, it was even worse wind and crosswinds. And I'm like, I'm like thinking in my head, I'm like, Frank, what are you doing to me? Like, these are the exact conditions that I told you I could not ride your stinking bars in. And you're like, I know that you're up there just laughing. <laughs> like, ha, 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 now you can ride my bars anywhere because I'm sending you these conditions. And, and I do, I feel confident riding those in Kona now because, uh, uh, because I had to ride them in New Zealand in, in these crosswinds that I wouldn't have chosen. I definitely would not have chosen, um, to ride those in and everything, but I actually, you're a lot like I'm a lot, um, lower. And then, so I'm just like a lot smaller. And so I don't feel like I got blown around, uh, as much as I did when I was, you know, like three, four centimeters up more and uh, just a more open chest and everything. I'm just a very narrow and tucked and stuff. So, so I felt comfortable and awesome. And, um, coming into, you know, T2, I, I somehow had like a, I don't know, it was like a six or seven minute lead by that point. I don't, I don't know how like, I just was, I just was doing my own thing. I wasn't like pushing the pace or trying to kill it or anything, but I mean, I contributed a lot of that to my positional changes on the bike being a lot more aerodynamic. I went to gym at aerosports. I know Haley, uh, Haley, you did as well. Yes. Yeah. And I actually got my recommendation to Jim from Alyssa. So, yeah. <laughs> so we're fans of Jim over here yeah. on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, um, yes. Yeah, so I went to him and we made all of those changes as well. And he tried to have helped me dial in those bars. So coming into T2 heard that, yeah, I was my, my gap and everything. And I went out just feeling great. Um, I like my run is something that's either on or off. <laughs> and I mean, I've had someone who said like, you're either like a three or sub three or you're like three fifteen. Like why, what's the difference here? <laughs> so, um, but I knew my run was on. And so I was super excited to get out there on the run and everything. Um, and then the first, the first lap is a three loop course. And the first loop was okay until the very end of that. When my stomach was like, I had never had like such cramps. Like it wasn't just like, it wasn't like GI cramps even. It was just like all of my muscles and everything were just tense and tight. And just like, I was a stiff board through my, my core. And I had no idea why. Um, and I went through town trying to just put on a face. Cause then you loop back on your competition. Right. <laughs> so I can't see to have them see me like, Oh my gosh. So, um, but then once I got back out of town, um, I ended up walking an aid station. And then at the end of the aid station, I walked to the entire aid station. And at the end of the aid station, I like put my hands down on my knees and like bent over just to like give my stomach like a time to like chill almost and relax. And so, um, yeah, I did that and, uh, it got it to relax some, um, and then went through and it, it acted up again after the second lap. And so I had to like bend over at the same aid station, that poor aid station probably thought like, what is this woman? Like, she's awful, but she's winning. I was walking and stopping all the time. <laughs> so, but, um, yeah, so watched that same aid station and, um, then just, yeah, uh, at the end of that course, um, my family had been telling me I had my sister, my brother-in-law and my other sister doing the race. And then my husband out there and, um, the sister, you know, sister not doing the race and my family not doing the race. Uh, they were telling me like, you might be able to break the record. You may be able to like, you got to push it though, you know, and stuff. Like I don't have anything. Like I'm just I'm happy with whatever I'm winning, and I, I have more than ten minute lead. Like I'm good. Like we're set. Um, 
you know, it was my mindset because my stomach was still just not happy at all. Um, and I was like, I'll be happy with a 305, like marathon. Like, we just don't feel like, you know, we were able to execute a good race on this marathon, but it'll be what it'll be. And, and then coming in, um, Steph from what's up was there and, um, she was doing media and it was like three or four K before the finish. And she's like, you just can keep this pace and you'll be able to, you know, break the record. I was like, Oh, I like that thought. Like, let's keep on that thought. (laughs) We'll, we'll go with that. And, um, and I remember she, she was right there and she's like, man, you're flying Jocelyn. I was like, I have an angel on my side today. This is all for Frank. Like I, you know, it's just, it was, I had an angel on my side for sure that day. I'm um, looking uh, after me. And, and so crossing that finish line, um, was just so emotional and unbelievable. Um, not just for me, but for, you know, all of my supporters for Frank and his family, Mercedes, his wife, and, um, and everything. So, you know, it was just uh, a wonderful opportunity to commemorate a wonderful man. So, well, it's really fun to hear you kind of talk through your race. It does make me want to get back to New Zealand, but what a way to tribute Frank. And that was, yeah, a heck of a way to do it. So congratulations there. Um, And you actually have another connection with New Zealand in that you're currently coached by a Kiwi and Fitter Radio podcast host, Bevan McKinnon. And we think that you made the coaching switch pretty recently. So trying to like nail that down, maybe sometime between Taupo 70.3, which was last December, and Ironman New Zealand, which was this March. So we talked to another one of Bevan's athletes um, just a couple weeks ago, Hannah Wells. And she talked about making big changes to her training and lifestyles, like kind of right off the bat with Bevan and seeing results after about a year. Have you also made big changes and are seeing those results in like fewer than three months here? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I talked with Bevan a little bit um, when I was there for the Taupo 70.3 or Topo 70.3. And um, yeah, like we, we spent like a good 48 hours together and I, I knew that I was going to make a switch and a change in coaching. I just something I needed mentally. Um, honestly, like I, I wrote, a, whenever I have a big decision or something that I have to figure out, I write a blog post. So <laughs> there's a blog post about it. So, so, um, yeah, just, I needed that mental switch and mental change and just something different. Um, and so we ended up like, I interviewed a couple other coaches, um, and then we ended up starting, uh, December, like uh, Christmas, it was Christmas week. It's my benchmark. <laughs> so December 26th and 25th. But yeah, anyway, so, um, yeah, there were a lot of changes and he had to remind me multiple times that I had decided to make these changes and I hired him for these changes and, and everything like that. And that I had, you know, like I went through, I, that's when you make a coaching switch, like uh, sometimes people don't interview more coaches. They're like, Oh, this person, this is who I want. And that's where I'm going. And then just go. And that that's great. But for me, like I had to interview, um, you know, so there were like four other coaches that I interviewed and talked to seriously and to try to make sure that the decision I was making was the decision I was making and to be fully a hundred percent committed 
because when you do, like you said, like Hannah, yeah, she made a whole bunch of changes. And yes, when I started with him, we made a whole bunch of changes and, you know, changes, just a word that you throw around. Right. But like, I'm talking about like, um, you know, changes in my training. Um, we weren't as high volume as we were. We were a lot more high intensity and everything than what I was previously. I have been more high intensity in the previous coach as well, but but anyway, so that, but then also nutritionally changing, um, my nutrition and what I'm doing like while training outside of training and everything like that. And so there were a ton of changes that I hated life for about a month and I probably didn't like Bevan much for about a month as well. <laughs> so, but, uh, I really loved him on March 2nd. So that's all that counts. <laughs> Race day, race day changes everything. But going into these nutrition changes, I actually listened to uh, you were on uh, Bevan's podcast, his fitter, fitter radio podcast recently, talking about um, changing to a low carb, high fat diet. So, can you tell us a little bit about that? And you know, do you really do five hour rides with no fuel? Oh gosh, I know. Like you brought that up. Yeah, um, yeah, I've done one five hour ride with no fuel. So that was it. That one. And I mean, yeah, you say low carb, high fat, and I, I say more, it's moderate carb, high fat, because when I think of low carb, high fat, like I think of, you know, like 50 to a hundred grams, like where you're going into ketosis, you know, and stuff like that, where that's not where I'm at. Like, I'm not like that. It's just more moderate carb, like decreasing that inflammation and, um, that insulin response and stuff like that. So, um, and then, yeah, like he talked about on his, on his podcast, that time, uh, the one that you're referencing is, is that we, we made these changes, um, in nutrition. Um, and then about three or four weeks after that, we did a benchmark as he called it test. And like, I had this like five hour ride on my schedule on, on a Saturday and with a 30 minute, like jog after or whatever, it was just an aerobic ride. And it was like, fat, you know, like no fuel fasted for the first, like, uh, two hours. And that's what I saw on Monday when I was looking at my week, you know, trying to look at stuff or whatever. And, um, and then I'm like, okay, so this, this five hour ride on, on Saturday, you know, we're, we're talking on Friday and he's like, yeah, just, just fast for as long as you can. I'm like, well, how long do you think I can go then? Like, you can't just say like however long, because that's, I need, I need times and I need like, <laughs> I need everything. So He's like, you can probably do, I think you can do the whole five hours. I'm like, what? Really? Like, what? Like, no way. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, I did. And um, it's like water only. Is that, did you have water? I'm assuming you have water. Water. And then um, my, my nutrition company, they do this electrodurance. So it has like a, it's just like a combination of different electrolytes. It's no calorie. It's just the electrolytes. So I had that as well on with the water, just so it's not just like I'm diluting all my electrolytes that I'm splitting out and stuff. So, so yeah, electrolytes and water, um, the whole five hours of fun. And then I did the 30 minute jog after like just no fuel. And then I got back and I was like, I'm not even hungry. Like I want all, I need all the food, but I don't want all the food. So <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. So does that, I don't know if, I don't know what I could would do without my like typical pop tart break on a five hour ride. <laughs> oh, I know that's my life has changed. I don't get my like, you know, can I used to, I used to do candy. I mean, honestly, when I got into this as an amateur, 
my first race, it was in um, May that I did. It was Ironman Texas. And what I trained through, and it was around Easter time. So jelly, belly, jelly beans are like huge, right? I literally did jelly beans as my nutrition for my first Ironman and my first Kona as an amateur as well. Like it was great nutrition. Jelly beans is all you needed, right? <laughs> so what do you do in race? Does this change how you approach your nutrition in races or are you like eating all the carbs during races? Yeah, I just, I do the same thing that I used to do in races. So I hammer it in. I mean, and that's like, we do still do some fully fueled rides, you know, during training and stuff. It's not like I'm fasting through all my training and, you know, stuff like that. That's crazy. (laughs) Um, But yes, so we do fully fueled rides during training to make sure that my gut still can handle and tolerate as much as I do put in it. And, and actually I'm in New Zealand. They did take I do, um, I do a lot of liquid calories. Um, well, I do basically all liquid calories with my, uh, FTC glycodurance, um, is what I use and I love it and it works great, but I actually took in a ton more in New Zealand than I usually would have, especially for the temperature that it was. So I thought that was interesting just because we have made these changes, but then when it came to race day, I actually took in more than I would have previously done. Not, not a ton but still like one bottle more. So what is that? Like probably about, you know, 45 to 50 grams of carbs more. So. And how has it worked, Jocelyn? Just because Haley and I know quite well scheduling with um, podcast guests who are living in New Zealand or, you know, in Australia, anywhere down under that time zone can get pretty tricky. So what is it like communicating and working closely with a coach that's in such a different time zone? Yeah. I mean, that was actually my biggest, uh, interesting you bring it up because it was my biggest like reservation, um, about hiring him was the time zone change. And I, um, I don't feel like I'm a needy athlete, but then I've realized maybe I am. <laughs> so, um, you know, like if some, if, you know, like if you wake up and you get, you're sick a little bit, you know, or whatever, and you're like, man, maybe we shouldn't be doing this high intensity workout. Maybe I should make it more aerobic, but I like passing that through a coach first, right? Like, you know, because then I, it takes me and my emotions out of the equation and decision. And like, that's why you have a coach really. (laughs) Like, so you don't have to make those decisions. And so, um, it is, well, right now it's five hours different, but because they haven't gone into their day, uh, daylight savings time, they do it like in another three or four weeks, um, after us. And so, but generally it, most of the year it's four hours different. And so, you know, it's 6am here, it's, um, 2am there. And so, um, you know, like I did have reservations about that, but I mean, there've probably been maybe one or two times where I'm like, Oh shoot, I really wish I could get a hold of Bevan and I can't. But for the most part, like, honestly, he actually, he, anytime he wakes up in the middle of the night, he'll check his messages on Facebook. We just communicate through Facebook messenger and stuff. So he'll, check his messages and get back with me. If it's something, you know, I need to hear back from right then and stuff like that. So, and then, I mean, it has been good in a way also to give me more authority and more like, you know, I have to make the decision, um, occasionally and stuff. And then like, yeah, it'll be okay. Or, you know, like, well, honestly, it will always be okay, but you know, I won't feel like, well, it is the decision he would have made. I don't know, but it's the decision that I made and we'll move on. So, 
And Jocelyn, leading up to Ironman New Zealand, you graciously answered a few of our Iron Women community questions on our Instagram page. And I actually got in on the fun and threw a few <laughs> questions at you. And um, one that I found really interesting was how you set up your season because you are able to, you know, you live in Boise, Idaho in the Northern hemisphere, and you're able to be so strong at these races in, you know, December and March in the Southern hemisphere. And, you know, you do race Kona. So you race Kona in October. And I think you answered that you had raced Kona in October and then actually taking your break immediately after that race. So, um, toe pot 70.3 in uh, December was actually like, you know, the first race of your 2019 season. So how do you like, do you have any tips for Northern hemisphere athletes who might be interested in these sub Southern hemisphere races that are happening in December, January, February, March, but they might be worried about training through the holidays and the Northern hemisphere winter. Um, don't make excuses. Like if you don't make excuses for yourself, you can do anything. So, yeah, I mean, that's honestly, I feel like what it comes down to a lot of times is, is like, oh, I can't because I have to blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, like find a way if you really want to make it happen, you will find a way. Um, I mean, that being said, I know that there are some extenuating circumstances and, but like, if that's your priority, you're going to make your priorities happen. Um, but yeah, like what I generally do is I have like a two, a se you know, two seasons in a year. And so I have that, you know, from after Kona, take a break and then build into Taupo 70.3, Topa 70.3 is my first one. And then New Zealand in March is my second race of the season. Um, and then I'll do Ironman Texas and then I'll take a break after, well, I'll probably do St. George 70.3 as well this year, just for kicks and goals and then take a break there and then start my build to Kona. And so, I mean, honestly, like, I mean, you guys have to train through the winter. Like, you know what it's like, like, I mean. For me, at least, like once I get into a rhythm and a routine and you continuing, and I think for really anyone, right? When you have that rhythm and routine and those habits that you've made, it makes it so much easier. And so like get into that rhythm of indoor training and like find that show on Hulu or Netflix or whatever that you love, but you can't watch unless you're on the bike, right? Like, and so you look forward to it, right? Like, oh, sweet. I get to find out what's going to happen with, you know, whatever, because I'm going to go bike now and stuff like that. And, and so try to make it, you know, something fun to look forward to, um, I think is good. And then making that space, like motivating and invigorating and stuff. I mean, for whatever race, uh, this is where you get my corny side, right? So, um, whatever race that I have coming up, like I have like, Ironman New Zealand pictures, like right in front of me on the bike. And like my competitors are right there printed in pictures right in front of me on the bike and, and on my treadmill as well. And, um, and then, you know, just my medals that I have, I only keep my races that I've won and I have those hanging right there. So, and then the, you know, the, the trophies or whatever, and I have those right there. So I, you have, you, you can't, you don't, you won't slack and you won't like give up as easily when you have that motivation right there, staring you in the face and, and everything like that. Um, I mean like this, uh, last winter, I, um, my very first race of my pro career was Ironman New Zealand, which is part of the reason that it means so much to me, um, in 2015. And when I did that, I, at my very first homestay that Ironman set me up with gave me actually this jade necklace that's a koru is a symbol 
um, for New Zealand. And it's like new starts, new beginnings, um, new growth and everything is what it stands for. And um, I hadn't worn it in a while. And then for New Zealand and when I transfer, you know, when I switched coaches to Bevan as a, as a Kiwi and everything, I, I decided to, you know, wear it for, you know, 24 seven. Um, and so I didn't, you know, I take it off for the swim, but, you know, I take it off and I put it by the pool. And so it's there to remind me like what my goals were, you know, for leading up to New Zealand and what those goals were. And then for the bike, you know, like you're leaning over and it's like hitting my chin and then also for the run, you know, it's like hitting my chest, like as I run and everything. So it's that constant reminder. And so just putting those little reminders of why you're doing it, even if you're doing it inside and you don't like training inside where I do like training inside, but you know, you have those constant reminders. And I think that helps with the motivation. So, so for listeners who want to know even more about you, we definitely recommend that they do go to your blog at jocelynmccauley.com. Um, because like you said, when you have important decisions to make or other big things happening, you definitely write a blog. And so great insight into your life and your decisions there. But when your site loads, it actually, you see on the home screen, your goals for 2019. And these are actually broken down into process and outcome goals. And so like right there, anyone who goes to find out about you sees that um, front and center. So is, is this an exercise that you do every season? And I'm also curious about if it causes any anxiety for you to put it out there to the world, right? Because I have a hunch you get comments from the peanut gallery when it's out there for anyone to comment on and to send you their thoughts. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't hold back on, on any of that. Like, I mean, going into New Zealand, you know, I did a what's up interview. Like we did a what's up interview and it was like, what do you expect out of Saturday? And I said, I expect to win. Like, that's why I'm lining up on this line. Like, I'm not going to hold back. I'm not going to be like, oh, well, you know, like, that's just not who I am as a person. And I'm an open book for the most part and um, like to try to be that way for other people and and then for myself as well. And and um, anyway, so it is something that I go through every year. I go through and I do process goals and outcomes goals. And those are my edited version of just short ones to put on the website kind of thing. But I have an entire multiple page word document <laughs> with more. So um, process goals, outcome goals are not as essential because it's that journey and that process that you can control. And then hopefully those outcome goals I use as motivation. And so they're not something that you can necessarily control a hundred percent, but they're very motivating to be able to accomplish these process goals for, um, and stuff. And so, um, I haven't gotten too many comments on it. And honestly, if I did, I wouldn't really, I wouldn't care. Like I would just take it and go with it, you know, like whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I have like all of these stupid little triathlon goals in a way that I have. And I mean, like, like in, in Topa, like I've always wanted to beat all the age group men, which I was able to do. And, um, and then I've always wanted to break three hours and break five hours in the same race, which I was able to do there as well. And so like, I have a ton, a ton of those little stupid little goals. And then I have those couple of big goals. So, yeah. And Jocelyn, it sounds like you've done a lot of work with your mental game. And earlier you mentioned visualizing, you know, even T1. And on your blog, I think you've talked about during taper week, you'll visualize your race, you know, up to three times a day. So can you tell us a little bit about that and, you know, just where this mental, you know, this, these mental practices have come from? 
I think I've probably read every sports psychology book out there that you can find. <laughs> so it's just something that, I mean, um, it's something that I think is like kind of some, like a place that I can myself like boost my level of competition and my level of self mastery over, over this triathlon crazy journey thing. Um, and so, yeah, like I, you know, that is something that I'm very passionate about because it's something that I feel as though it can help progress the swim bike and run instead of just, you know, working on that swim, working on that bike, working on that run, like using that mental game and that mental focus, um, will help boost your entire, you know, race uh, and your T1 apparently as well. So, so <laughs> unfortunately it didn't do the T2, but I didn't visualize that one as much. So maybe this next race I'll do that. But, but yeah, like just a whole bunch of, um, really deep visualization that I do for my races. But I also, I do that. Honestly, I do that for really big training days is the day before, like when I'm going to bed, I visualize that training day. I visualize exactly how I want it to go. I visualize the numbers of what pace, whatever that I want to see. I, you know, can feel how my body is going to feel during that and everything like that. And so, I mean, no, it doesn't always go to plan. <laughs> obviously <laughs> like I would be a miracle worker if it did, <laughs> but if you visualize it and you're able to go through that mental focus part of it, when you start feeling that discomfort of like, Oh, I kind of want to quit right now. You're able to just accept that you're able to acknowledge that feeling and you're able to just continue with it. So you're able to manage your emotions and manage those feelings a lot better when you do focus on that mental game. You've also said, like, kind of along with your mental training, you actually wrote in your blog that when you hear the start gun, you've trained your body to flip a switch where you go into training and racing mode, and that's a Jocelyn that's fearless and tenacious. Um, so, like, all of a sudden, you're able to see, you know, your competitors not as friends anymore and kind of really, you know, go for it when you're racing. And so how much work has gone into that? Because I think that can be tough for a lot of people to separate amateurs and pros alike. And do you feel like this is kind of a leg up on your competitors who maybe haven't practiced that skill? Um, so I don't think it's really uh, taken much practice just because I come from a long history of, of sport. Um, and, and growing up, I come from a long history of competitiveness. Like I have two older sisters and we were like the most competitive sisters ever. Like, I mean, I think my sister jumped off the diving board when she was three because she wanted to do it before my oldest sister, you know, like his stupid stuff like that, like where we just had to beat each other. And like my, my the middle sister who got me into triathlon, Meredith, um, she was doing cross country track and field in junior high. I had to start doing that because I had to beat her. Like, and so, you know, like it was just, we were just way too stupid competitive and everything, but and so that it was just in, it was just engendered in me as I was growing up for better and for worse. I will. Yeah. Like for sure, there is a limit to competitive that should be drawn that I can't draw sometimes. Um, but anyway, so I've, you know, I've just had that through racing in, you know, junior high and high school and college and um, post collegiately. Um, I was a runner and stuff. And so, you know, that was just, it was just easy. Like it just was like that gun went off and that was, you know, or even in practices like, Oh, okay. We're on the track. We're ready to go. And then it's just a different person. It's just like, 
Jackal and Hyde. And it's not something that I've actually ever consciously practiced doing. It's just something that has always happened when I get into that environment. And I think that's more because of how I was brought up and just engendered in me. A lifetime of practice. And you have, you, you mentioned your family quite a bit. Um, your sister racing in New Zealand. Was that Meredith who raced in New Zealand? Yes. Right. Yeah. And then your other sisters, they're cheering. And, um, and then you're also, you're a mom and you've been a mom, your entire triathlon career. Um, you know, start, you raced, I think you said your first 70.3, 11 weeks after the birth of your daughter, Emmy. So how has being a parent affected your mindset in training and racing? I guess you don't know that much different, but compared to, you know, your running career before you were a mom and, and how does family kind of still continue to influence your pro career? Yeah, I think, I think before I became a mom and when I was in college doing cross country and track and field and stuff, I was a runner first and then I was a wife. Uh, eventually, you know, and stuff. And then, you know, I was, you know, a person who, you know, whatever my job was at the time, you know, whatever. And then I was a friend and, you know, things like that. So my value system and my definition of my, uh, self was definitely athlete first and athlete centric, which was not healthy, um, for me, um, in a way. And so becoming a mom and, and having this transition to triathlon life and everything, it's become a lot more, I hate the word balance. Um, because I think that balance is a lifetime, not just a day to day, because if you looked at my day to day, it was not balanced. I was much more an athlete than I was a mom or a wife or cleaning my house or, you know, whatever like that. Like I was much more an athlete today. But like, I try to hopefully think that through the lifetime span and through, through months and weeks and years that it will be all, you know, fluidly worked out and stuff. And anyway, and so when I went doing triathlon and becoming a mom, I feel as though more so, um, other than my religious side, you know, that I'm a child of God first, but other than that whole religious side, you know, I'm a, I'm a mom and I'm a wife and then I'm an athlete you know, and stuff. Like I had someone tell me the other day, like, Oh, you have the life, like, you know, cause you just get to go to train and then just put your feet up and do nothing and stuff. And I'm like, Oh no, no, you did not just say that. Like, like you just flipped the switch. Like, no, no, no. Like I am a mom. Number one, I am a mom and Emmy has my attention and everything and she knows it. Um, and stuff like that. And so it, it also gives you perspective in life. I feel as though that, um, you just, you can't have without that. And so, um, you know, she, she teaches me so much more every day than I feel as I teach her, you know, like it brings you back to that childhood. It brings you back to that mental, um, place where just all the little things are so fun and so exciting. And so, you know, awesome, you know, like, (laughs) yeah, this is the funny things that she shows me, mom, 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 you got to see this. And it's like the coolest rock she's ever found, you know, or something silly. Like It's just awesome. It's so fun. And Jocelyn, you mentioned your religious side and you are a member of the Church of Latter-day Saints. And I have to be honest with you that I really only know how this affects you in terms of your race schedule because you always race on Saturdays. So does this affect any other aspect of you being a professional triathlete? And I'd also love to hear how your faith has helped you throughout your athletic career. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a member of the church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints. So, um, yeah, it's like you said, like I don't, and it's, it's not necessarily because I'm a member of this church that I don't race and train on Sundays, 
I've gone into that on a couple other podcasts, the story of my decision not to. And it's just like my firm, like I, you know, the commandments say not to, you know, to keep the Sabbath day holy. And so I tried that. I was blessed and I excelled exceedingly in sport. And so I don't feel as though I can turn my back on that. And so, um, yeah, so I don't train a race on Sundays anymore. I used to train on Sundays in, in high school, but I don't do that anymore. And I mean, that is the biggest effect of all of this. And, uh, in my, you know, church life and religious life and, and sport life and how they've combined like the biggest aspects. I mean, can't really honestly, um, think of many other things that it would change. Um, so, I mean, I don't do caffeine on course, but that's not really because I can't, it's just like, we don't do coffee or tea or whatever. Um, that's against our religion. Um, but we can still do caffeine, but I just, I don't, but yeah, I don't know. Um, it hasn't changed much other than I think honestly more like mental, mental side of things and, and how I think through, races, how I think through competition and, and stuff like that. And I mean, like before the race, like it was my husband, my sisters, my coach and his partner, like all in a circle say a prayer together, um, before my race start and, and everything. And I mean, that definitely helps calm me and get me like, you know, centered and focused and ready to go and, um, and everything. And, and then honestly, after the finish, we, we, my husband and I, not the whole group, but said a prayer of thanks, you know, because if you're going to ask for help, then you kind of have to be grateful for the help you're given. Um, if you believe in all of that and everything. And, and so, yeah, like, I think, I think just as long, um, going back to me being a mother, um, you know, I said that it gave me, it gave me perspective because I wasn't an athlete first anymore. And it's the same thing to me and my religious beliefs and in my religious views, like, first, I am a child of God and all of these people are children of God. Um, and once you see someone else in that light, you see them very differently, um, in my opinion, in my view. Um, and so like, and then you value, you value others differently and you value yourself differently. And so having that perspective, I think just brings a new perspective on sport. So, yeah. We've talked previously to other, other athletes, just about boundaries and, and about sport. We've talked to sports psychologists, um, Kristen Kime, we've had her on about boundaries and how those can actually be so healthy. And so it kind of sounds like, you know, with family, with religion, with, you know, even your mental training, everything, like you kind of set these boundaries that actually probably help you, you know, keep things like you said, in perspective, that energy management that, um, we all, we all are searching for all the time. Yeah. But, um, Jocelyn, earlier you mentioned that you, or, or I think I mentioned that you live and train in Boise, Idaho. And in 2018, Forbes magazine named Boise the fastest growing city in the United States. So can you tell us what makes Boise such a great place to live? And are those same things the kind of place thing, or are they the kind of things that can make Boise a great place to train as well? Yes. Well, I don't know if I want more people to live here. So it's a horrible place to live. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it is. It's wonderful. Well, when I first moved here in 2017 after Kona, um, I hated it. Honestly, like absolutely hated it. And it was just because like I got uprooted from my whole team of like, you know, sports psychologist, um, massage therapist, PT, Cairo, like my whole team was in Cincinnati of all of that, like recovery management and stuff. And I am now in Cincinnati 
where I can't have that hands-on from, I mean, I'm now in Boise, where I can't have that hands-on from Cincinnati and stuff. And so I hated it at first, but then once I got to know the community and I got to know more triathlon people and people to train with, I started falling in love with it. And once I, you know, I came here in like November where, you know, going into winter where you can't really train outside. So then, so when I was able to get outside and see all the, like you said, like, you know, it is an amazing place to train. You can go, like, uh, we live right off of one of the biggest cycling roads in the area. And so, like, I just literally head out of my house and I'm, like, right there. So it's awesome because it's, there's flat and then literally a mile from my house, there's about a, what is it, a two or 2,000 foot climb that you can go do right there, which is, you know, beautiful, awesome climb to go do. There's trail running. Um, I can get on a trail half a mile from my house and uh, go for miles and miles, like however, really far as long as I want on those trails um, for running. And yeah, it's just, so you have hills, you have flat, you have trails, you have road, you have, you really, you really have any aspect of training that you want. I mean, there's open water swimming too, that you can get to. Um, I don't do much open water swimming. I do mostly, you know, YMCA pool with all my old uh, water aerobics ladies. So, um, yeah, but yeah, it does. It is an amazing place to train. And, and I have thrown it out there on other podcasts that if anyone wants to come and train in Boise, you have a place to stay. We have a spare room that you're welcome to stay in as long as you come and train with me. So, <laughs> Well, that is, that is quite the offer for people. And so, you know, you never know with our crowd, what you might end up with, (laughs) who you might end up with in your spare bedroom. But if that happens from this podcast, then you definitely have to let us know how it goes and maybe kind of send us updates throughout, um, as you guys train together. But, um, thank you so much for taking time to come talk to us today. You mentioned that you'll be at Ironman Texas and probably St. George. And what's the best way for our listeners to follow you online? um, as you get ready for those races? Yeah, I do most of my stuff on Instagram. So that's Jocelyn McCauley on Instagram. Um, and then I have my professional Facebook page, uh, Jocelyn McCauley professional triathlete. And then Twitter is, uh, Jossie, J O C E McCauley. And I do nothing on Twitter. So, all right. Thanks so much. Oh, thank you. Haley, I kind of want to try the morph bars just to see what it's like. Have you watched the video that showed kind of how she was using them while she was racing? I did. I watched the video and, um, someone else has mentioned those to me in the past and they, they did kind of scare me a little, but I think a lot of like new inventions are scary until you try them and then you realize they might be better. So maybe everyone's going to be riding those kind of bars in the future. And for our listeners, just remember this week we have this week and this week only we have the Zelios contest and you can head to livefeisty.com forward slash win Zelios to enter and you will be entered to win the full product line of Zelios goodies. All of the good stuff plus a gift card in case you want any extras or a gift for a friend. $140 worth of prizes. Pretty cool. All great stuff. So definitely go to that uh, livefeisty.com forward slash winzelios and enter today, right now, do it. And Haley, we had a pretty record-breaking month in March with Listen. So I just want to say thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading us every week and taking us with them on their 
rides outside maybe now that it's spring or runs and all of their training or commutes. However you listen to us, thank you. Haley, I think you have the numbers, right? This was pretty big. Close, we're at 14,600 for the month of March, which is, uh, yeah, that is our record, record number of listens. So thank you to everyone who's listened. That is um, a big month for us. And we love getting new listeners and bringing more stories to you. And that helps. And you can always leave us a rating or review too, if you want to, uh, to help us continue to grow. All right, Haley, I hope there's no crying during running this week. And you can tell me all about the good stuff that happens in a week. Okay. Thanks, Alyssa. Hopefully I have some great stories for you next week. Bye, Haley. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe, like, and comment on iTunes. My favorite podcast hosts are Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chura. My favorite editor is Aaron Hamilton. The Iron Women Podcast is a live feisty media production. We want to thank our sponsors and partners, Noon Hydration, Wahoo Fitness, Zelios, Fen Coffee, FQC Nutrition, and Smash Fest Queen.